This sermon isn't going to be all warm and fuzzy. I will give you a a disclaimer. Um, When preaching on the theme of hope, as we're doing today, every year we do these weeks for Advent, um, a lot has to be assumed and acknowledged because if everything were great, there wouldn't be a need for hope. But hopefully you find this message uh, fitting for the Advent season. So um, today I want to make a few points for us that we hope for him, we hope for ourselves or for our own sake, we hope for others or for the sake of others, and we hope for him. Um, Pray with me. Father God, I ask this morning that you would speak through me, that you um, convict us where needed, that you encourage us where needed so that we ought not to despair, um, but have hope in you and uh, rejoice in our saving faith in you, that we might look to your son, Jesus Christ, who's uh, made it possible for us to have a right relationship with you, a holy and just God. Um, Though we're sinners and fall short of that glory, we confess those sins, we, we repent before you, And um, we ask that we would not cease to hope in this message of salvation. Um, So there are going to be numerous scripture references, and without slides, don't feel like you need to turn to all of them. Um, Just do your best to follow along. But our main text this morning is going to be Hebrews 3, verse 6. It says, Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our faith, hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. So firstly, I'm here to remind us whose house this is, but more than that, whose house we are. We know that we're the body of Christ. We're being reminded that we're also now a dwelling place for God and namely the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 says, Your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. So we have to ask ourselves, is not the hope of a house its foundation that's laid by its builder? Is not that what we're counting on um, for this structure to hold? So we're going to look at some reasons to hope here. First, we hope for him. And starting with the obvious, uh, those before Christ hoping for the incarnation, those in Christ's day hoping for the resurrection, and we're hoping for Christ's return. We rejoice in the already of our resurrection, uh, spiritually to new life in Christ, and we hope for the not yet of our resurrection, for eternal life with Christ. So presently we hope for him or in him, 
but we also hope for ourselves or for our own sake. And what do I mean by this? This isn't some new age therapeutic thing. I, I mean to say in Christ, we hope so as not to despair. Now I say this because we're to care for ourselves. We're told this in God's word and it relates to our identity as a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit and it relates to our love for others. So our love for ourselves absolutely relates to our love for others. We see in Ephesians 5, no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. And church, we don't have to deny that we have ample reason to despair. If you've been paying any attention, this world can be a pretty cruel and cold place. The effects of sin are real, and the coinciding grief and sorrow can be crippling. So we hope to counter anxiety, one of the many, many hindrances to hope and joy and peace that we experience. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And if we remember a couple weeks ago, Pastor Seth's encouragement that even when our prayers are imperfect as they are, that we have the, the Holy Spirit praying on our behalf. So we rejoice in that. We do our best to pray without ceasing um, in thanksgiving and supplication from the Lord. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And again, we have Jesus' words in Matthew 6, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In Jesus' time, the Gentiles were worried about things that God would obviously provide and was for all of his creation. As he poses questions like, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And in our time, we see people hoping for things that many of them just aren't going to happen this side of Christ's return. Things like what amounts to essentially utopia on earth or a world without sin. We're not going to see that without Christ returning. 
So it's not possible by any earthly means it would require something bigger than this earth, something or someone outside it. It's as if the world is saying, and we ourselves can be guilty of this, I hope we can get a break from all of these results of sin. This is really killing me. I hate dealing with all the sinners around me. And yes, this being a fallen world, having thrust upon us and creation the curse of sin from the garden until you and I today and tomorrow in terms of its presence, not its power over us, is what's killing us. So what do we do about it? What then are we to hope in? Our relationship to hope and conversely to anxiety stands in stark contrast with that of our creator who doesn't need to hope in or for or against anything. God doesn't need anything, nor does he worry about anything. He himself, his glory, the community of the Holy Trinity is all enough. And this is something that you and I just can't relate to. That's why we need to look to something or someone outside this world. And furthermore, after creating everything, God is not hoping that it lasts. He's not anxiously hoping that evil doesn't prevail, that everything works out. We, on the other hand, need something to hope for and, and we can't help but hope in something. But apart from God, we hope solely in the wrong things. So a few illustrations for this. Hoping in anything aside from the Lord is silly, it's sinful, it's disappointing, and it's dangerous. First of all, it's silly. It is just, it's almost comical. So some of you are aware that uh, I, I dabble in a little true crime content as it's come to be known. And sometimes I run across a case involving the supernatural or exorcisms where allegedly the house is cold all of a sudden and a ghost locks you in your room and the mattress is breathing. And one common denominator of this is the family who lives in the house who's being oppressed. The first thing they do is call the police which is great because the other common denominator is that guess what the cops are able to do about demonic oppression? Nothing. They can do nothing about it. They're called to the scene and able only to also stand in fear. The problem is namely that the cops are people. What are they supposed to do? Are they going to put the ghosts in jail? You see where I'm going with this? This is why we need to hope for something bigger for the creator of this world. So hoping aside in anything aside from the Lord is silly, but it's also sinful. If we as individuals are hoping in something other than Christ, there's a word for that. It's idolatry. And it all comes down time and time again, time and time again to the sins of idolatry, unbelief, pride, 
confidence in the flesh, even when that means us losing hope because we're painfully aware that we, by the flesh, can't improve our situation or that our flesh is failing us. We're still looking to ourselves and despairing because of it. And if we, as a church, are all hoping in different things, we're going to have a pretty hard time. Hoping in anything aside from the Lord isn't just silly and sinful, but it's disappointing and it's dangerous. We're not only hoping that the political and social unrest in in this country and in the world right now gets back to normal. Um, And it's not our ultimate hope that um, suddenly COVID completely vanishes and uh, we never hear about it again, though I'm sure we would all welcome that. These are good things, but they're not realistic and they're not ultimate. So what if those things did happen? Is that problem solved? Is there nothing else for us to worry about? If we're hoping in anything other than the Lord, we're signing up to be disappointed for the rest of our lives. If we're hoping that some ruler or authority or politician or king is going to um, fix everything, it's not going to happen. I don't know if you guys have read the Old Testament. So Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 says, For us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So if we're placing our hope in something other than the Lord, we're truly in trouble and there is cause to despair. Not only in the case of immediate or looming anxiety or crushing uh, despair that we can only make sense of by God's word, but the continual atrophy that could eventually reveal apostasy. And let me explain what I mean by this. Let's look back at our our main text in Hebrews 3. It says, We are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. If indeed. What I mean is if we are always looking inward or looking around us instead of toward heaven for hope, not only will we inevitably bear a bad witness to those around us, but we could come to realize that we were never truly saved. We hope and long with all of creation for the triumphal return of Christ, but if that's just something we say and don't truly believe, and it's not an eternal perspective that we have throughout our lives, we don't have saving faith. This is why the gospel message is so important, because when Christ returns, we want him to know us. So our text would imply then that if we are not his house, that we are not his house, if we do not hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope, 
if those things aren't true of us ever, we're not his house. We're something else. We're just a group of people at that point. And I don't mean the occasional struggle or even recurring bouts of unbelief. I mean actually not having faith. So hoping in anything aside from the Lord is silly, it's sinful, it's disappointing, and it's dangerous. But hoping in the Lord is wise. In Proverbs 1, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It is wisdom. God is wisdom and knowledge. And we as Christians are to love his instruction, set on the foundation of our hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So hoping in the Lord is wise, and it's wonderful. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. So let us hold fast, having confidence in his wonderful gospel, that while we are sinners, God showed his love for us, and that Christ died for us that for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God, that now, though undeserving, we are his house, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. So we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. So then brothers, our boasting in our hope telling others around us why we're hopeful. This is a point of application for us, is it's it's part of the deal to tell those around us why we are so hopeful and why we are so confident. And what's another word for that is faith. We share our faith with those around us that God puts in our lives. We know that when Jesus tells Peter on this rock, I'll build my church, that he's not literally saying Peter, the person. He's referring to Peter's confession of faith that Jesus is in fact the son of the living God. So we're to tell other people who Jesus is, the way Peter does. Our hope is in him who has redeemed us and saved us from our sins that we're born again to a living hope. So we hope for him or in him. We hope for our own sake. And this is where we hope for the sake of others. 1 Peter 3 says, Who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. 
So for this to work, church, for us to fulfill this charge and utilize this missional strategy being laid out for us, we have to first have hope. Secondly, that hope must be on display in us. And the trick is to go simply beyond internalizing our hope, but to be noticeably full of hope. So in the midst of going through various trials, um, I'm speaking particularly alongside uh, unbelievers, no one's going to turn to us if we're struggling to perform the same tasks or solve the same problem, sustain the same pressures. They're not going to turn if we look hopeless and say, man, you're also looking pretty hopeless. Mind if I ask you why? This is where our hope and peace can truly be our apologetic. If we appear genuinely hopeful and someone asks us about it, this is teed up for us. This is our opportunity to preach the gospel. There's this quote that I don't like. It says something like, preach the gospel, always use words when necessary. I guess it's possible to behave in a way that aligns with the gospel and scripture, but you're, you're using words. Eventually, you're, you're going to have to use some words. So sometimes our deeds um, can cause someone to ask good questions. And this is go time for us to give a defense for the hope that's in us or to boast about it. I'm not saying we have to put on a show for those around us. Our goal isn't performance or piety, but authenticity and real hope in the gospel. So durable that it shows even when we appear to be flailing otherwise. Maybe people can see that we're barely hanging on, but they can also see that there's something we're holding on to. And it's our job to articulate the reason that we're not driven completely to despair. Romans 8 tells us, I consider the sufferings of the present time not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. So that would be one starting point. Romans 10, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have not heard, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And this is where it helps to use our words. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And I'm putting to you, why would they ask why you are hopeful if you don't appear hopeful? And if you are not hopeful, what even would you say? What would you preach to them? So I ask the Lord to shut our mouths if we dare express hopelessness or hope in anything lesser than Jesus. So we hope for him. We hope in him for the sake of ourselves. We display hope for others. We also hope for their salvation. Not only this, we hope for the opportunity to be part of this story and share our faith and preach the gospel to them. And lastly, we hope for him. 
What I mean by this is we hope in him in order that we might glorify him. We hope in him because it's pleasing to him. So we hope for him. Pray with me, church. Father God, I ask that by your grace, your hope would be on display in us. Your patience would be on display in us, that we would bear witness to the gospel of grace to those around us, that we would take these opportunities that you graciously put in front of us to share our faith, to boast in our hope that we would um, be your house, we would be a dwelling place for you in the Holy Spirit. Ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.